week, we're doing the early chapters in the book of Daniel, this amazing story of a person's life who's living in a culture that is, is very alien to his own culture. And uh, there's a lot we can learn from Daniel and the experiences he has in his life. And what I want to do is just um, ask uh, Barney to come and read uh, some of Daniel chapter 2, uh, which we're going to look at tonight. Is that all right, Barney? Well done. Uh, we can find you a microphone. Yeah, Daniel chapter 2 from verse 1 onwards. If you want to turn to it in your Bibles, if you've got one. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I've firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you do tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more, they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I'm certain that you're trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is just one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, There's not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night of the mystery, uh, during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You've given me wisdom and power. You've made known to me what we asked of you. You've made known to us the dream of the king. Barney, beautifully 
read. Thank you. I just want, I just want to know about your uh, thing. Do you mind me asking you about that? My thing. My thing. Your top. Yeah, my story. Story Surrey. Yeah, what's that? Ask me... What does that say? Ask, Ask me, me my, my story. story. <laughs> what's that about? Um, so the Christian Union at Surrey Univ University is doing an events week next week, uh, which is basically just like full-on outreach events. Um, like, we're going to have one every lunchtime. Give me like a kind of gateway talk. Um, like... Uh, like, is God sexist, or uh, why do we suffer, that kind of thing. And then in the evening, we'll have kind of um, some testimonies shared. So um, Esther from Students Here is going to share her testimony tomorrow night. Um, so be praying for that. Um, and we're going to have this, like music and stuff as well. Um, and then afterwards, we're going to run a follow-up course for four weeks afterwards, um, just for people who really, like, really want to find out more, really want to take it seriously. Uh, give them like, kind of like an alpha course. Give them the opportunity to like, get involved. Um, and yeah, like, just, we just wanted to share with you what the students are doing on campus. And we really appreciate your prayers. Um, we, we're still looking for, um, for money, and we, so we're praying that the Lord would provide that. Um, we just want the whole CU to be behind what we're doing, to be really encouraged and motivated um, and have a passion for it. And then we want people to come along to events and to respond uh, and to be, yeah, just really engaged by what we're doing and why we're doing it. Well, that sounds amazing. Well done. Are we going to pray for this week, this week? Yeah. <laughs> Are we going to pray for the, the Surrey University Mission Week. Yeah. Yes, Amen. I am. So well done. Will you, will you let us know what happens uh, next yes. weekend? Yeah, sure. Well done. Can't Thank wait you to so hear. Much. Okay, so uh, we're thinking about Daniel, this guy, and I want to tell you a story. And basically, uh, I, was, I, I did theology down in Oxford, and you know what it's like when you start term, like you start a school year or you start university year? And uh, it's all that freshest stuff. You, it was, it's all a bit insecure, and you get a bit, oh, who do I know? I don't really know anyone. I met this guy. I'm going to call him Simon. I was in my early 30s. He was in his mid-50s, and we had a couple of drinks together. And over the course of the next weeks, we had uh, a few lunches together. And it turned out that we'd both worked in the city. We'd both uh, worked uh, actually for the same clients, actually. Uh, he spoke all about that, and uh, we developed a bit of a friendship. It wasn't a close one, because we'd only, we'd only had a few sort of meals together. Then, bizarrely, this is absolutely true, half-term, Alistair McGrath, the principal of the college, stood up and said, uh, just before you all go, I've got some bad news. And he said, unfortunately, we've had to ask Simon to leave. And he didn't really say why. And what emerged over the next days was that Simon had lied about who he was. And his application form was totally fabricated. He'd lied about his qualifications, his age. His whole story was fabricated. And he'd actually been in prison and just wasn't who he appeared to be. And I remember feeling really gutted when I discovered that. I felt sort of betrayed. I thought that's a betrayal of trust. And uh, it slightly knocked me for six for a while, because I started thinking, well, <laughs> are, are the people here really who they say they are, sort of thing. I tell you that because um, we basically are called to trust God. 
and uh, we're called to um, put great faith in him. What is trust? I don't know if you had to define trust, what you would say it is. I wasn't sure, so I looked it up in the diary. In the, not in the diary, that wouldn't have been helpful. In, in the dictionary. And Yeah, I looked it up in the diary. It wasn't in there, so I wrote to them and complained. Um, in the dictionary, it said this. Trust is a firm belief in the truth, reliability, or ability of someone or something. Trust is the firm belief in the truth, reliability, or ability of someone or something. And as Christians, we're called actually to trust God. And he is true. He does exist. He's real. Uh, He is reliable. He has our best interests at heart. He is able to do things because he's all-powerful. He's quite extraordinary, the God we worship. And uh, he's divinely providential. We believe he's created the world, and he works in our own lives and in the lives of the whole world. And actually, he's sovereign. He's over everything. And we're called to trust this God. So I want to just ask you as we begin, how are your trust levels in God? How are your trust levels? On a scale of one to 10, ladies and gentlemen, where 10 is like, yeah, completely trust God, and zero, if you like, is, uh, ooh, not sure, you know. Where, where are you? How is your trust in God in this time uh, in your life? Now, have you thought about that? Hands up if it's... No, I'm only joking. <laughs> Everyone got a bit freaked out then. So what I want to do is I want to tonight summarize a, a couple of things, make a couple of points from this uh, encounter in Daniel's life, and then what I want to do is ask, well, how do you build trust in God? Does that sound like a good plan? So, observation one, lots of people don't trust God, is my first observation from this uh, story. Uh, Just to remind you, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he's a Babylonian despot. Uh, He has dreams at night. I don't know whether you have dreams at night. He does. His mind is troubled, and uh, he can't sleep, and uh, he has this bizarre dream, and he just can't figure it out. So I don't know what you would do. He calls uh, his wise men, uh, magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, astrologers, and uh, he wants them to uh, actually interpret uh, his dream for him. But there's a massive catch. The catch is... Uh, He's not going to tell them what his dream is. He wants them to tell him what his dream is and then interpret it. So there's a sort of psycho thing going on here. And uh, all the enchanters and people turn up, say, tell us your dream. He says, no, I want you to tell me my dream. And if you don't tell me what I dreamt last night or interpret it, I'm actually going to kill you. And I'm so ruthless. I'm not just going to kill you. I'm going to get a JCB, go to your house in Merrow and knock it down. So he, he sort of boots and boots and all. And many years ago, I watched a chilling uh, video of Saddam Hussein, actually. And uh, it was on the 6 o'clock news or something. And basically, it was a gathering like this, big, it was like a university lecture hall or something. And he was with his military commanders, the Supreme Guard, uh, or the Imperial Guard, I think they were called, something like that. And apparently, he thought some of them had betrayed him. And so basically, you saw Saddam Hussein just looking at this group, and he would just go, and then two soldiers would come, grab that person, take him outside, and shoot them in the head. And then he'd do, out, shot. So this is the sort of uh, context of this 
episode. Daniel and, Daniel and the lion's den, it's great in Sunday school for the kids. Uh, we've got to rid ourselves of these sorts of things. This is, a, this is quite a chilling episode uh, in Daniel's life. And, uh, you know, the astrologers eventually say to the king, you know, verse 10, look, what you're asking is absolutely impossible. Uh, the gods might be able to help us, but there's no way you can even reach them. And so uh, we're, we, we just can't do it. And uh, so they don't really trust God. They're not people who trust the gods. They can't access the gods. And um, I want to just recognize that lots of people uh, don't trust God. Do you know anyone who doesn't trust God at school or uni? Do you know anyone? Uh, In your workplace, do you know anyone who uh, doesn't trust God? Lots of people uh, don't trust God. Now, the second observation is Daniel does trust God. Uh, Daniel himself does trust God. And uh, how do you know if you trust God? Well, we could draw a few things from this uh, episode in Daniel's life. Uh, I'd say the first thing is people who trust God actually expect him to come through for them. People who trust God expect him to come through. And Daniel expects God to come through for him. In verse 12 to 16, he sort of hears what's going on. And he says to the uh, the, the king's commander, he says to him, look, what's going on? He said, well, actually, Nebuchadnezzar's going to kill everyone unless uh, they can not only interpret his dream, but tell him what his dream is. And Daniel says, oh, okay, I'm going to go <laughs> see Nebuchadnezzar. I'm going to go and see Saddam Hussein, who's threatened to kill everyone, and I'm just going to go up to him, and I'm going to say, give me, a, give me a bit of time, Nebuchadnezzar, and I'm going to interpret your, your, your dream for you. And that's what Daniel does, because he expects God to come through. And I don't know what situations, how your trust level is, but let me ask you, are you expecting God to do anything or to come through for you? It's a good question. Daniel did. The other characteristic Daniel seems to have is that he prays. People who trust God pray. And uh, he goes back, he gets together in his pod uh, with his friends, 17 to 18, uh, with Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. And he says, guys, let's just pray for God's mercy. We, you know, we've got to pray that God's going to um, actually show us what this mystery is so that we're not shot or killed like the rest of uh, everyone. And let me ask you, in those areas of your life where maybe you're struggling to trust, are you praying? How is your prayer life? People who trust God do pray, and they they just keep appealing to him. The other thing to notice about Daniel is he's confident in God's supernatural power, uh, because he expects God to actually show him Nebuchadnezzar's dream. No, no, No one else, none of the other enchanters or sorcerers, or wise men in Babylon, they said, no way, we can't do that. Daniel's, actually, God's going to reveal this to me. And uh, he's going to do that supernaturally. And people who trust God do expect God to move supernaturally. And we believe supernatural things. We remember tonight in communion, the, uh, the death of Jesus uh, and his resurrection. It's a, it's a massive supernatural historical event. And uh, of course, verse 19, actually, during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. So they're praying, and Daniel gets this vision of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Uh, and he says, oh, wow, uh, God has done it. And uh, the other thing to notice about Daniel is that Daniel gives God the glory of what he's done. And uh, verse 20 to 23, he prays this uh, prayer of praise. 
And uh, people who trust God often praise God. And I don't know about you, I often hear people, there's no criticism in this, but I hear people, successful people, I was talking to someone last week, and he said, uh, he said yeah, uh, I've worked really hard to get where I am. Um, other people say, I got lucky. Other people say, I was in the right place at the right time. All those things start with I. Actually, Daniel starts with God. And he just praises God. He gives God the glory for what he's done. And he says, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He's got the weather in his hands. He deposes kings and raises up others. Global governments, God's in control of. He gives wisdom to the wise. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in the darkness. And Daniel basically gives God the glory, and he's someone who praises God. And he praises God because he trusts God, and he knows actually God is sovereign. He's providential. He's over his life, and he's in his hands. And so he gives God great praise for what has happened. Okay, could you turn to the person? Three, two, one. Okay, so um, lots of people don't trust God. I don't know what your story is. I never used to trust God. I came to faith. I really trust God. And um, uh, Daniel is someone who trusts God. And we've, we've looked at some of his characteristics of people who trust God. So how do you develop trust? And I just want to say a few things here. I kind of just want to give you lots of ideas this evening uh, as quick as I can. Now, the first is, as you think about your trust of God, you need to, first and foremost, recognize what's at stake. You've got to recognize uh, what's at stake. You see, actually... Um, It's clear in the Bible that people who trust God are blessed. When we come to faith, we're blessed by God. When we go on as we follow God and trust him, we're blessed. So Jeremiah 17, you could read the whole of 5 to 8. I'm just going to start at 7. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green, has no worries in a year of drought, and never fails to bear fruit. When you trust God, you're blessed and you bear fruit. So um, as you think about this, you've got to recognize what's at stake. It's really, really important that we walk uh, in trust of God. Secondly, I want to suggest we can, uh, as we think about trust, we just need to make a decision to trust God. It's a decision uh, we make, often when we come to faith, but we have to keep making that decision. You see, we are called to be people who trust this extraordinary God who we've sung about, who we've uh, remembered in communion tonight. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. We're, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, actually submit to him. And he will make your path straight. Or Isaiah 26. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. We could go on. Now, Billy Graham, you may have heard of Billy Graham. Has anyone heard of Billy Graham? Okay, so he's this American sort of Christian leader. And uh, he came to faith as a young man, and he read the Bible. And uh, he uh, thought, gosh, I like some of what I read. A lot of what I read, I just don't really understand. But anyway, uh, he decided uh, to make a decision to trust God. And he writes in a book about how he just got down uh, on his knees one day. And he just 
held his Bible in his hand. And he said, Lord, I just want to follow you. I want to trust you. And I don't get everything in this book. I don't get everything that's happening in the world. I don't get everything that's going on in my life. But today, I'm making a decision to follow you and trust you. And I'm going to follow you and trust you for the rest of my life. Extraordinary. And he's had an amazing life. He's been very fruitful. He's had a really difficult life. Lots of people don't know all of that. But he's had a really difficult life too. Thirdly, you need to, if you're going to trust God, you've got to get to know God. And uh, this is obvious. Uh, Please bear with me. But if you're going to get to know God, you need to be people who do read the Bible. And uh, I say that not as a sort of, um, I'm a vicar, (laughs) read the Bible. Um, I actually say that because actually this is God's story. It's his character. You find his love, his grace. You, you see who he is and how he operates, and you actually get to know him. And in those times, maybe when you're struggling to trust God, this is something you can really hold on to, the word of God. It's like an anchor. It's like uh, a life raft. I read through, I used to read through the Bible a lot when I first came to faith, like in a year. Um, and I did it for a while, I haven't done it for a while, I did it last year, the Bible in a year. And it was just a fantastic thing to do. It really helped me. It's really actually deepened my faith and brought lots of fruit. And uh, this is really, really important that we are people who, who, who read the word. It's really powerful. It's sharper than a double-edged sword, cutting to the very bone and marrow, um, the Bible says. And um, the other thing I'm doing at the moment is um, I'm actually reading the Psalms. The Psalms are brilliant uh, to actually read and pray through. I'm trying to pray through the Psalms is the thing. It's a monastic thing, five a day. It's going really badly, but don't tell anyone that because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a vicar, so don't tell anyone, but it's not, it's not going that well. But uh, I love the Psalms because, you know, they're full of reality of life and trust in God in difficult situations, or just in the reality of life. Uh, David says, I'll say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And, uh, you know, if you're feeling like your life is disintegrating, it does at times, doesn't it? Read Psalm 31. If you're in the thick of it, you need encouragement and hope. Read Psalm 40. If you feel people have really let you down, like Simon did to me, read Psalm 55. If you feel hounded by people at work or you're just people are just coming for you, as can happen, read Psalm 56. Deepens trust. And um, it's very, very important that we, we get into the Word. So that's the third thing. You've got to get to know God. Fourthly, you've got to spend time with God. And Alistair McGrath, this guy who announced Simon uh, had left the college, he stood up in his academic robe, robe on the um, first day and uh, he said, you're all here, you're all here to study theology and we love having you here. We, I want you to know one thing. He said, if uh, at the end of two or three years here, um, you actually know more about God, we've totally failed you. And that's not our aim here. We don't want you to know more about God. We actually want you to know God more. And that's a crucial distinction in terms of spirituality. And if you're to know God uh, more, then you need to just spend time with him. It's a bit like, um, you know, when you meet someone you fancy or something, 
and you spend a bit of time, you get to know them, it's all tingly, tingly, and you know, you sort of go on a date, you get to know them, you meet their family, it's like, yikes. Um, I'm only joking. And then, and then you get to know them over time. You know, we need to spend time uh, with God. You know, worship is a great way of actually getting to know God, building intimacy with God. And uh, that's different. That will do something different to Bible reading. It will do something different to praying. Worshiping does something different. And actually sitting still just in God's presence does something different to all those things. So if you're to build trust, we need to be people who spend time with God. And that can be quite hard uh, in our crazy, busy world. Anyone just really hasn't got much on at the moment? Anyone on top of your emails? Or you're not tempted to sort of go online and so, you know, we're all crazy busy. But, you know, if you're to build your trust, you need to just be people who who actually develop a spirituality of getting to know God, spending time with God. Uh, That's really, really important. And um, I really recommend that. You need to do stuff together, fifthly. Are you doing stuff with God? Of course, on one level, in him we live, move, and have our being, Acts 17 says. But actually, you need to take some risks with God. I like putting myself in those situations where you kind of, you know, and you're thinking, oh my God, God, you've got to come through, otherwise this is going to be terrible. Are you putting yourself in those situations? Very, very important that you don't do, do that sort of um, lethargic thing of not really doing anything or just the sleepwalking Christian thing, you know, and it's, I do it most of the time, to be honest, uh, but actually, we've got to try and get out of it. Identify areas where you struggle to trust God. This is a really important thing. You know, where are your areas, where are your anxieties with God? You know, is it finances, is it health? Is it family? Is it painful circumstances, things that have happened? Uh, You know, identify uh, these things and try and pray into them specifically. And so I have a number of areas where I struggle to trust God in my own life. You know, I just sort of think, oh, I can't really give you that part of me because I just, I feel too frightened to do that. Or I I just can't see you coming through there. Well, actually, we can actually name these areas, name these things, and just say, God, help me. Would you just uh, build my trust? Very, very important. What's your expectations as you think about trust? I don't know how you scored yourself, one, two, ten, but you've got to have realistic expectations as you follow God. And I know you all know this, but actually, God hasn't promised you a suffering-free life. And um, you will have difficulties, you'll have great stuff, but you'll also have difficulties. Life is difficult, right? And uh, so, uh, actually, if we're to walk in trust, we mustn't let the difficult things uh, rob us of our trust of God. And, uh, you know, Psalm 23 is great for this. It speaks of God's blessing, even though, uh, so I will lead you beside quiet waters and green pastures. Yes, I like all of that. Uh, uh, I'll make a banquet for you in the presence of your enemies. I'm less keen on that. Uh, you'll walk through the valley of the shadow. Of, oh, I don't really want that. But life is like that. And so you need to have expectations that are robust enough and realistic enough to actually keep going with God. And also on the expectations front, you know, 
have realistic expectations of being a follower of Jesus. You know, trusting God doesn't mean you're going to have no questions. It doesn't mean you're going to have days where you think, yikes. It doesn't mean you're going to sort of question God at times and question who Jesus is. The disciples do that. And um, you see that in John the Baptist. You see that in the disciples. Most people just fall away. But actually, you know, uh, we've got to have expectations that uh, actually that's normal part of the Christian life these seasons and times, and uh, not to be freaked out by these things. Now, are you ready for this next one? There are two more. This is the most important. Identify the times in your life where your trust has been the strongest. Where your trust has been the strongest. Now, in my own life, speaking to people, I speak to lots of Christians. You know when that is? When the chips are down. When you've got nothing in your hands. When the scan isn't good when you've lost your job. Uh, Often in the really difficult times, we uh, grow in our trust of God. Not always, but often. And uh, Daniel actually uh, is, he's, as I've described, he's got his back against the wall. He's, you know, we can say, oh, Daniel was such a man of God. Actually, he had no other options, nothing else. He's gonna get beaten to death or God's gonna come through. So of course he's going to pray. Of course he's going to cry out. Of course he's going to, you know, Lord, come through and do all of this sort of stuff. And so, you know, um, actually, some of the difficult times can be some of the rich times. And finally, what I want to say is always hold on to hope. Always hold on to hope. I don't know where you're scoring yourself. To be honest, I score myself. Trust in God is like the weather. It changes. In my life, I don't know what it's like in your life, uh, I'd love to think I'm 10 every day, but I'm not. You know, I'm one, I'm four, I'm two, I'm seven, I'm six, I'm nine. Some days 11, um, what I've been drinking. Um, that was a joke. Honestly, don't, don't clam up on me. Um, but actually, you know, we can, we can always hold on to hope because God comes through. God came through for Daniel. He got the, he got the reputation, he, he, he got the revelation. And uh, I'm not going to go through the revelation, but it's worth reading about. It's about these kingdoms. He gets a revelation of a statue with various kingdoms passing through, which proved to be true. And the kingdom of God coming, this unshakable kingdom, this unshakable person whom we're actually worshiping and whose kingdom will never end, whose kingdom uh, is sure and certain, and whose kingdom actually we're part of. We're part of God's kingdom. So always hold on to hope. And if you're at that sort of um, two out of 10 uh, phase or one out of 10, just uh, hold on to hope. Uh, God is with you. He's for you. He's watching over you. He's involved in your life more than you, you, you can see or realize. And hold on to this God who uh, delights in you, who loves you and is all-sovereign and all-powerful. Amen. Should we stand? What I want to do is maybe we sing a song of worship. Then I want to do something just to respond.